nomine Dei Nostrum. Welcome to Speak of the Devil. My name is Reverend Campbell, and today I'm being joined by Sean Bonner of Toy Box Records. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing very well, and I'm very happy that you, uh, you know, had some time and you agreed to come on the show. Um, I'm into what we're about to talk about. Like, uh, I, I'm, I'm really, really digging it. Um, but, you know, let me give a shout out um, to all of you joining us live. If you want to get in the chat, if you have any questions or comments, or you just want to talk amongst yourselves, your favorite hardcore punk bands, put it in there. It'll be part of the conversation, and we'll just sort of riff back and forth. This is a Saturday night. Let's just have a little bit of fun. The world is crazy enough. <laughs> let's let's try to enjoy ourselves here at least, right? <laughs> if there's any place just to relax, it's got to be this one. Um, okay, so we're going to be uh, sharing a little bit of uh, news about some music and stuff, but let's let's frame it first with a, a a bit of a promo, and then on the other side of that, we'll just we'll just dive into it. How's that sound? Yeah, that sounds great. Awesome. Okay, so we're just going to be on the side here. You're not going to do that. setting a tone <laughs> with that it's not exactly uh, easy listening <laughs> as far as it goes but let's let's get into a little bit of you let's let's frame up the conversation here uh sure. let the audience know a little bit about sean oh um so i have a very short attention span and <laughs> uh you know kind of chase after uh, all kinds of things that that I'm I'm super interested in. Uh, it's really really hard to describe, you know, like hey, what does Sean do? Because uh, it's five o'clock. Sort of a published, you know, photographer, author. I used to run an art gallery. I used to run a design firm. For the last decade, I've been you know co-running a environmental nonprofit, and uh, you know, uh, obviously like the this record label that we're that we're talking about, which I started when I was in high school. Uh, so I'm kind of all over the place, um, you know, chasing different things that I'm interested in. In fact, I, I, uh, my wife and I just finished writing a, a book called The Interest Driven Life that sort of trying to dives into some of these topics, uh, you know, in our own lives and, and in, you know, friends of ours and things. So uh, this is just kind of kind of what I do. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, just all over the board. All over the board. So I know you had lived domestically us and then you moved out um to japan right yeah i was in japan for just about three years and uh and then three months ago we moved back to north america but to canada this time so we're in vancouver uh, so where why did you not come back to the good old us of a because it's a garbage fire right now <laughs> <laughs> i mean so <laughs> there's That's that fair. right um 
but there's there's also a piece of it, uh, a very very practical piece of like having a family and going from paying, you know, twelve hundred dollars a month for hit by a bus insurance, basically, you know, where like you know I still have a ten thousand dollar deductible or something, to Japan where I paid three hundred dollars a year for everything, oh, wow. you know. Oh, I need to go to the hospital for, you know, four days. No problem. Like everything's covered. It's, yeah. you know, so then it's like, oh, well, could I really move back into that system, you know, with a good conscious, yeah. like not really, you know? Um, and so uh, Canada made much more sense just from, from that aspect. But we're, we're going to really dive into this um, here in, in just a second, but I'm curious, is there, do you know, is there a, a, a punk scene in Canada? I know nothing about it. Oh, so. oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, there's some, there's some very famous, famous punk bands from Canada. Okay. From all over the place. Yeah, for sure. Right. I put out bands from Canada actually in, in the nineties. So. Oh, really? Yes. Yes. A band called Grade from uh, uh, the Toronto area. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah, 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 totally. Okay, well, um, dog, good to see you in the chat. Thanks for joining, hun. Uh, Oma, what's going on? Son, <laughs> son of Lava Dome. Good to see you. I tripping over that man. Uh, that name, Sean. Good to see you, Gary. What's up? Uh, if you guys have any questions for Sean, go ahead and put them in there. Uh, we're gonna be talking about Toy Box Records and some of their releases here shortly. Um, you had already mentioned that you know you were had your own record label as like as a kid essentially yeah. right i mean what i know every kid wants to be in a rock band or they want to be a, you know an artist or you know there's every every kid has these sort of dreams of stardom um to s put up a label that's kind of labor intensive isn't it See, the beautiful thing about doing that when you're a kid is you have no idea how labor intensive it is, right? It's, you're like you're like the bumblebee that nobody ever told them that they can't fly, so they just right. do. Um, and uh, and so as a, as a kid, um, I mean, I, I don't want to deeply psychoanalyze myself on this one, but I moved around a whole lot, and so I didn't really have uh, very strong connections with friends as a as a young kid. And when I found punk. Um, you know, there was like this entire world that opened up to me of like people who felt the way I did, right? They didn't, they didn't connect. They didn't have these relationships, uh, you know, whatever it was, um, they just didn't fit in with, with the people around them. Um, and so, you know, I could listen to, to these songs by, by bands and be like, wow, you know, like these people finally get me. Right. And so, so I was, I was immediately, um, very emotionally attached to everything that that the punk world was and um you know especially when i got into it and i mean i think even even today uh you know it is a scene that's created by the participants right there's there's not there's not really for the most part rock stars and then you know the fans right it's like everybody's the same you want to be a rock star you can be a rock star punk right like whatever whatever it is you can you can do something and so people are contributing to it as much as they're consuming it, right, in, in every bit of it. And so um, at least then, right, you either start a band, you put out a zine, you have a label, you know, you do something, right? You just, you do something to be a piece of it. And um, I wasn't really good at doing a band in any way, but all my friends had bands. Yeah. So I thought, okay, well, like, let's put out records. 
That's wild. And yeah. I mean, certainly you didn't have any shortage of engagement with garage bands and, you know, semi uh, local touring bands and stuff like that. Right. I mean, did you ever, was there ever someone that you were sort of chasing um, in order to, you know, put them out on your label? No. Um, and, and I think that the experience of, of going through that as a kid and, and the first, you know, the first several releases of, of Toy Box that, that came out really helped me re- later on in life because I don't really have any weird fear of, you know, asking anybody to do, do stuff. Right. And so the first, the first few releases that I did were all good friends, right? They were, they were people that I knew it was just easy. It just happened. But then once I had four or five releases down, yeah, I can ask anybody. Right. And so, so I did, I sort of like shot for the stars in, in several cases and, you know, mm-hmm. it worked because, you know, no, nobody asks the famous people because they're afraid they're going to say no. Right. And so, um, without, without having that kind of hesitancy to it, it kind of just came together and, um, you know, it's good for everybody. Yeah. So you, you started the record label in uh, 92, right? Yeah. So I was, uh, in my senior year of high school, um, when the first, the first record came out, sort of the last, the last couple of months before, before my, my high school career was over, it, it was released, but you know, we were kind of planning it and working on it for the, the year before that. And, uh, you know, I was in Florida at the time I was living in a, in a tiny little town called Bradenton, which is about an hour South of Tampa. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, there was not shows or stuff in Bradenton, right? Like we would, we would have to drive an hour to go to Tampa to see, to see anything. Um, and so that's where, that's where, you know, all the, all the people kind of came together. And so that, that's, you know, the sort of central points of, uh, you know, the connector of all of those bands. Uh, the first, the first few records I put out were all kind of compilations of, of several different bands. Yeah. And all, again, they were all, they were all from Florida bands that, you know, I was friends with that I would go see every week or, you know, whatever. And, we just went on to like provide this to the rest of the world somehow. I, that's yeah. I, I cut my teeth on a lot of uh, great punk bands through those compilation albums where it's just like one track from just tons of different uh, yeah. punk acts. Um, one thing I love about punk and hardcore and, and now you're seeing it a lot in like, uh, you know, uh, death metal and grindcore and stuff like that, where it's, it's a very much like community of yeah. like-minded individuals coming together. You don't really, at least I don't see this in many other genres. Uh, you know, we, we can extrapolate, you know, going back in time in the 50s and 60s and see these little revival groups, uh, you know, focusing and centering around these specific acts. But it was really punk that sort of culminated the idea of a lifestyle with the music more yeah. than... Or, or maybe they carried on a little more extreme than hippies in the '60s did. Well, I think you know it's interesting that you mentioned death metal because you know Florida has a very, very heavy death metal community, right. and um, at least when I was there growing up, the only clubs that would have punk bands were also the only clubs that would have death metal bands, right? And the only recording studios that punk bands could go to were also the only recording studio, right? So yeah. records, all of these things were very fused. And it wasn't until I started leaving Florida to go see shows in other places that I met punk kids that weren't also into death metal. Mm-hmm. Like in my, in my mind as a kid, like punk and death metal, you know, were, were fused in so many ways because it was, it was the same people into the same stuff 
And and it was exactly that. Like there was this, this strong community around it because no one else likes it. So you have to you have to sort of bond with 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 these people. Um, and so it wasn't uncommon, you know, to see shows at small venues where it was like deicide playing with Green Day or something, right? Like just like totally weird combinations of you know uh, you know death, death metal and punk bands like all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I I absolutely adore that that connection or at least that ability to to host groups that you know disparately on the streets seemed to be at odds but they right. knew that there just wasn't venues available and so you had to sort of you know lean a little bit on each other in order to let your genre rise to the top was there ever a time because i didn't really get into punk until the late 90s personally and i almost became overwhelmed with this sense of subgenre in the punk sort of uh, category, uh, <laughs> is did that ever come to play when you were starting your label, or was it just didn't really matter? I never really thought about it. I mean, there was definitely labels or zines or or whatever that were hyper focused on one, mm -hmm. you know, very 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 specific niche. Um, but one of the things that I always thought was you know, fantastic about it was was this giant sort of mix of it, right? Where you could have a ska band right next to a super like heavy band right next to, you could have all these things jammed together. And, you know, it was a cliche kind of at the time to, you know, sort of say like, it's it's more than music, right? It's, it's, it's about this other thing, right? And I think that uh, being able to stick all those things together really was, you know, really was the big piece of it, right? It, it wasn't just like, oh yeah, we all like this song. It was like, this song means something to us because it's from this, you know, it's from this other place, right? Yeah. 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 After I got over the hurdle of trying to, you know, break out of the idea of categorizing and just enjoy music on face value, I, yeah. it, it really did open up a whole new world for me and led me down some really different crazy paths like, uh, ska and stuff like that. But when I was first coming up um, in the late 90s, that's when skinheads were really hitting my scene. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I'm sorry, I don't know why I said skinheads. Um, uh, Straight Edge uh, mm -hmm. was really hitting our scene. Uh, and they pretty much dominated and, and kind of took over what it meant to be hardcore or punk uh, from the old style 70s punk rockers that, you know, sort of opened the door for that that uh, culture to thrive and literally physically dominated the scene as well yeah. was that something that was happening earlier on did you uh, run into that as well or oh no i mean that that's the world i come from for sure uh in a lot of ways i mean tampa had a at a really sort of legendary you know rather violent straight edge yeah. scene uh you know that came from and, and a lot it's funny you mentioned skinheads but i mean like that was that was a lot of it like you know, my my childhood was like every weekend, like it was a bunch of straight edge kids and we would go like look for Nazis and like, you know, fight like it was like <laughs> it was it was rather violent um, yeah. for, for, for many years. And so, um, you know, I, I think that the, the straight edge thing really, really kind of took off. I mean, it, its birth is earlier for sure, you know, yeah. uh, early 80s. But the, the straight edge thing really kind of blew up in the early 90s and, and mid 90s uh, for sure. And, you know, it's just another another sort of rebellion piece, right? Like if you're trying to sort of uh, position yourself as as a rebellion of society, why would you embrace all of these things that uh, that the rest of society does, right? Like it, 
you know, here, here's this other piece that you can be like, I'm not like that. And um, for me, the, one of the things that really, really strongly drew me to it was, was this uh, really um, like complicated duality of, you know, if you're like, I don't drink, I don't do drugs, you must be goody two shoes. But like, if you're at the same time, you're involved with like all of these crimes, yeah. <laughs> right? like, how do you, how do you, how do you fit that person into in a categorical, categorical box? Right. Yeah. And it, you couldn't, and I love that. I love that you that I had that I knew these people that were like, you know, very sort of conservative in a in 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 a in a social way like that. I don't want to say con socially conservative because they weren't, but I mean, you know, like very anti very anti drugs, very anti alcohol. You know, like people who would you know pick fights with someone for smoking cigarettes on the street or something, right? And uh, you know, but at the same time, you know, involved in you know, all, all manner of hijinks outside of that. <laughs> yeah, I, I really love the, the bleeding of uh, musical influences and the, the creations that came thereabout. Uh, you know, just there's this cross-contamination of, of groups um, in some of these scenes. Uh, I, let me ask you this really quick before we dive into uh, Toy Box Records specifically. Um, because there is that that whole you know uh, live fast die young feel when you're talking about you know back in the day rock and roll but specifically fucking punk rock I mean it is it is all about being on the outskirts of you know the, the counterculture of a society and it's just about kind of you know allowing yourself to waste away and not really caring that much about it it seemed um, uh, for decades really um and so you got this sort of raw youthful energy and angst that created brilliant music mm -hmm. but then it kind of died out really quick you know individuals that were involved in it and you saw a lot of deaths because of drug overdoses or just lifestyle um bands would come into existence really you know energetically and then die out really quickly as soon as they started taking off or or you know enough time lapsed that they realized that they just weren't in that headspace anymore um do you think punk simply because of the nature of the music um has a limited lifespan or or do you really think that there are some people that are able to sort of tap into that for years and still have that same quality. No, I mean, look at Agnostic Front or, or Sick of It All or, you know, something like these bands that have been, you know, doing their thing or, you know, a band I've worked with before Integrity, right? I mean, like these, these people who have been, you know, doing their thing for, you know, going on 30 years now. So I think that there, there's certainly a way to do that. I, I think that one of the one of the beautiful things about punk is that there isn't this huge barrier. Right. There's not a, there's not a, there's not a huge, um, I don't know, like you could just go do it. Right. You want to like, want to start a band? Let's go have a band. Like we'll practice tonight and we can do a show tomorrow. Right. Like it's not, there's not this thing where, um, in, in many other sort of genres or, you know, I don't know, like whatever, whatever it is where, you know, there's, there's all of this work that has to go in ahead of time. Right. And months and months and agreements and contracts and plan all kinds of other stuff. And so, you know, for something to ever get to that point, it has to be much more rigid. Whereas punk, you know, really allows that sort of um, 
you know, vital experimentation, right? Of like, hey, let's just try something and see what happens, right? And maybe maybe it doesn't work today, but we'll do something totally different tomorrow. And, you know, I mean, there's many punk bands who, you know, have 10 different albums and they're all completely different. Like you would not hear the two of them and think that it's like the same band, right? But it's just, you're allowed to do that in punk because like, fuck you, why not, right? Yeah, oh yeah. Um, Joshua and Alec are kind of blowing up in the chat. So you gotta make t-shirts, man. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that, a uh, crud uh, take, taking over the chat right there. That's quite all right. <laughs> I dig it, man. Um, all right, so let's get into Toebox Records. So we already mentioned that you started this in 92. What were some of the hurdles that you uh, discovered uh, with running your own label? I mean, well, first of all, was just figuring out how to do it, right? Um, my my When I first came up with, you know, my fr my friends and I sort of like, hey, let's, you know, start a label. And I was the only one who sort of was crazy enough to like actually run with it. You know, I thought like, oh, I, I guess I have to go buy a, a record pressing thing and put it in the garage or, you know, like, how do you, I don't even know how to do this, you know? Um, and so just kind of figuring out those pieces, but, but back, that was the days where you could ask anybody and people were like, oh, here's the, here's the roadmap. Here's exactly, this is the company that does this piece. This is the company that does that piece. Here's a problem, you know? So um, there was a lot of, a lot of support from the rest of, you know, the community and the scene to sort of figure out how to do it. Um, I think that probably the the biggest hurdles I faced were self-imposed because, you know, as a uh, as a very idealistic um, kid who was, you know, planning on changing the world with, you know, a couple seven inches or something, um, you know, I was I was appalled by anybody who would, you know, make money, you know, from <laughs> from a, a record label or something, right? And so I, I was like publishing things of like, okay, this record cost me exactly $1.35 to produce. So it's unethical to sell it for more than $1.50. You know, I'm gonna like, you know, like, so, so I think that, that that was really a lot of, a lot of the struggles that I had early on was how do I, how do I pay for all of this, you know, and still, and still be able to sleep at night, right? And how do, and how do I like be comfortable with what I'm doing because, uh, you know, I think, you know, major labels are ripping bands off and, you know, I, you know, I had the whole speech and, and every bit of it, right. Where, uh, but, you know, and, and both those things can be true in, in different aspects. Right. But I think that, um, as I, as I got older and, you know, got into it more, you sort of realized like, oh, well, if you're actually going to do this thing, you have to be able to pay for it. Right. And you have to be able to, like pay your rent. Um, you know, cause you're not having another job and you're going to do it for real. So I think that it took a little while to, to figure that out. But again, as a high schooler living at home, you don't think about like that there's bills to pay. You're just like, I'm going to go do some stuff. So, um, well, yeah. okay. So it, it, there was like a, a five year period of, of you running this, right? What? When you were making the decision, uh, was it something that came suddenly or was it just sort of wearing on you for a while? that ultimately led to you closing? So I was, you know, I ran it, I ran it myself just as a label. Mm -hmm. And then I started a distribution with another label so we could like help, help distribute each other's records and, and other things. And I had a very serious falling out in that, in that business relationship. So, um, you know, in my, you know, sort of idealistic approach to all of this of, we're all in this together. Everybody's trying to do the same thing. We're all trying to make, make a better place. All of a sudden, you know, the closest in inner circle, uh, you know, 
was like betrayal and like backstabbing and, and all of this, right? And so that was like a very hard thing to sort of wrestle with. And then uh, I took a job at Victory Records um, where I uh, I was the creative director for, for several years. Nice. And so um, I was spending all of my time working on those projects and still trying to, you know, give the appropriate amount of you know, energy to my own projects and trying to find that balance. Mm -hmm. And it was just hard. Um, it was just hard to find, find the balance with it. And, uh, and I was also getting really, really kind of burned out on just the business and the, like the, in the music industry in a lot of ways. Um, you know, there's, I'm guilty throughout my life of finding a thing I love and then turning it into a job and then hating it. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that there's a real, a real beautiful thing about just being able to be a fan, you know, and just like, I'm just enjoying this thing from a pure level. And, and when, when it got to the point when I shut down, when I shut down the label, I, I was completely on the other side of, of the fan aspect. It was all, it was all contracts and negotiations and who's talking shit about who. And, and it was just, this isn't fun anymore. Um, and I'm not doing anybody any favors by inserting myself into it. Right. And, and so it was like, I kind of just need to walk away um, and just and just go be a fan for a while. So That's got to be the toughest part of uh, any business, right? Is the, the, the admitting to yourself, I'm just not here anymore. Like, I'm, I'm not in the headspace. I, I, I really wanted this to thrive. I had this vision of how this was supposed to go. But I, I just, I got to call it quits. Was that... Was that yeah. really one of the more difficult parts of your life or, or was it really easy because you were just so sick of it? No, no. Up, up until that point, that was probably, that was probably one of the hardest things I ever had to you know decide to do. I mean, there was a whole, um, a whole piece of just sort of wrestling with your identity because, uh, you know, I mean, my name is Sean Bonner, but at that point I was Sean Toybox, right? Like, I mean, that's just, you know, that you're in, in punk rock at that time, right? Your name, your name and whatever you're working on become the same thing. Right. And so I, I just had a lot of, uh, a lot of sleepless nights trying to figure out of like, if I'm not doing this label, like who am I, you know, I mean, this, this label is so much a part of me in every way that without it, like, what do I have to offer? You know, why, why, why am I around kind of, you know? And was uh, there that moment right after where you finally made whatever announcements or, you know, ended any deals where you're just like, oh shit, maybe I should keep it going. <laughs> no, no, no. When, when I finally, when I finally had the guts and like the whatever to say, okay, I'm, I'm walking away from this. I just had this huge relief and, and I was like, man, I should have done this years ago. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, okay. And, and that was the same time. So I, I, I kind of quit victory and went and got a job at Playboy. So I was like, I'm just, I'm just moving out of, you know, one world, you know, from like, not, not, not from an interest thing, obviously, like I was still really into the music and, 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 you know, going to shows and, and all of that stuff, but just from like what I'm spending all of my days on, you know, at the time I joked that I was like going from Photoshopping like sweaty dudes to like, you know, sweaty chicks. Um, but, uh, it was just, I, I just, I just had to do something that was completely different. Right. right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I want to take a step back really quick because I thought this was a funny comment in the chat room. Lazarus says, man, I was all about getting wasted. I could never figure out the straight edge thing. How do I know if you're tough if I can, if I can drink you under the table or if I can't drink you under the table? Uh, yeah, I was, I was in that same mindset, to be honest. I, I was into drugs and girls and drinking, and uh, I never understood why anyone would not want to do that. But <laughs> after you see so many people die, you start to understand. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Maybe I mean, it's not all know, good. We all we all have friends that that died, and you know, I mean, I I often joke with with many of my friends now that you know we're sort of the survivors that that pulled through. But at that point, I mean, that wasn't. I mean, even even though there were very famous people who had died from drugs in punk, that was not that was not something anybody thought about. You know, it wasn't like, oh, I'm not going to do drugs because you know because I might die. Right. Uh, it was, it was much more of like a clear headed, like, uh, I've got a lot of shit to do. Right. And, and I'm trying to make a difference and I'm trying to do all of these things and that stuff's going to slow me down. Right. And it's going to like make things foggy. And it's just, I got, I need, I need all of my faculties for, you know, the stuff that I, I have planned kind of. Yeah. Um, there's a really good question here from Oma. What holds more influence in the punk scene, music or politics? I, it would depend on it would depend on the person. I mean, I don't think I don't I don't think there's a you know a universal feeling on that in any way. I mean, there's there's just as many right wing punks as left wing punks as a political punks you know as everything. So I think that depending on the band, the scene, the person, I mean, certainly some cities you know or some scenes or or something you know are are very one directional right. uh, or invested in in some aspect of one piece of it. But I think. Um, you know, it's, it's a very individual thing on that, I think. Yeah. I've always, I've always been surprised because reflecting, you know, through the rear view mirror here, it almost always seemed like it was always political. It, it, whatever the politics of the moment were, yeah. the punk scene was in a reaction to that. Sure. Um, and whether or not it was a political, there was always, you know, a social element to it. If it wasn't overtly political, but there was always a message if there wasn't either of those two as well. Like yeah. that's what I always found interesting and different about punk versus other genres of music was that there was always some form of a message rather than just trying to come up with some tune or some ditty to please the toe tapper. You know, it was, I've got something to say and I got to get it out. That's why lyric sheets were so important, right? Mm -hmm. Lyrics and thanks lists and all of these things because this is where like you could really like make sure people understood what's the message you're trying to get out with this right and you know who are the who are the people that you're inspired by and that you're trying to support and and all of those things and so you know if you look at any any of the sort of inserts from from records or you know fanzines or anything from that time like it's full of you know political uh you know politics one way or another you know organizations that you know they're advocating you know supporting or or policies, you know, that, you know, are sort of the topic of the day that they're taking a hard stand on. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think it was, you know, and for me, you know, it was, it was important to be like, okay, like you can have a voice, right? Like you can, you can go out and like scream about shit that, you know, that matters to you. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So you make the tough decision, you got to close down toy box records and then you go live a completely different life. <laughs> and then 2020 got a, got a real job <laughs> but i mean like almost like a couple lives because you've done so many as we you know we we sort of brushed on uh, at, at your intro um yeah. 
but 2020 has changed everyone in some way. Uh, it's yeah. shifted everything. And for, I, I want to know what about it brought so you I, back I, here. I think, I think one piece that that's important to clarify is it, it's not like I left and then I came back. Right. Like I, my involvement just, just changed. Right. Like, I mean, like I said, I, I remained a fan, right. I mean, I still, I see, still see bands play. I'm still buying too many records, you know, still like I'm still in touch and still maintain so many of those relationships. Right. I mean, uh, you know, I, I have close friends that, you know, I met through punk, you know, 30 years ago, 25 years ago that I, I still talk to every week. Right. So it, it's, um, it's something that's always been a piece of my life. It just wasn't my day job. Right. Whereas when I was a kid, I, I never, you know, I never imagined it was going to be anything but my day job. Right. I thought this is what I'm going to do all day, every day, no matter what. And then, and then at some point I was like, I need to separate my, uh, you know, how I make money from this thing so that I can just love this thing and not have to, uh, you know, tie the, tie those pieces together and, you know, feel resentful one way or the other on it. Um, and then, and then I think that the, the punk sensibilities got deeply infused in all of the other projects I worked on. Right. So I, I think I always kind of brought, brought the ideals, uh, of punk and, you know, the approach to, to anything I've worked on since then. So, um, even if I wasn't necessarily working on a punk thing, I feel like, you know, there was, there was, there was some punk involved. <laughs> yeah. Well, definitely the vein that runs through punk is definitely going to be affecting you the rest of your life. And clearly it has, um, yeah. and I think we can all appreciate that on a quick side note. Does this hit you like a Mack truck in the face like it does me when you're reflecting on, oh, I've known that person for uh, 30 years? <laughs> like, does that hit you too? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh... <laughs> yeah, it's rough. <laughs> oh, God, I never thought I would be this age. And then looking back, everything, time is so skewed by how you perceive it, you know? it's It blows my mind every time. I'm like, oh, I've been out of the military for 20 fucking years. Holy shit, you know? Stuff like that always hits me hard. Um, yeah. All right, so let's talk about crud. Um, well, no, 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 hold on. Let's put a pin in that because I want to get back to uh, why you came back around. You're always in oh, love okay. with the scene. You're always in, you're engaging with it uh, as a fan. Right. So I, I, it was just something that I kind of missed. Right. And, and I, and I realized kind of over the years and, you know, talking to different people um, and I got enough distance from it, you know, kind of that I can sort of separate like, okay, there's the part that I didn't like, but here's this other part that, you know, I, I still really did like, and I still kind of, and so I, I've always, you know, for the past few years kind of had in the back of my head, like, I wonder if there's something I could do. Right. And, and also what is, you know, what does that even look like now? Right. Because when, when I was younger and, you know, photocopying, you know, record covers at Kinko's at three in the morning, you know, I mean, it's a very different world now. Right. I mean, what is, what, what does that even look like? I don't even know. I don't even know what that is. And so, you know, it, it's kind of been a tentative, um, you know, like I'm just kind of thinking about this thing, you know, it's kind of in the back of my head and I don't necessarily know what, and then, um, you know, earlier this year, you know, with all the all the quarantines and 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 again moving around the world, right? And we had to like move stuff. I'm like trying to like look at objects and possessions and uh, and uh, you know 
the first the first box of records that I put out was like, you know, this is one of the most important things that I have to make sure doesn't get lost in this move somehow, right? And so when I got here to Vancouver, one of the first projects that I started just kind of because I was like, these things mean a lot to me and there's all these stories attached to them. And I wonder if anybody else, you know, might be interested in it. So I, I set up this Instagram account, you know, sort of for the label and uh, and just started going record by record and like telling the story of like how it came together, right? How did I meet these bands? What do we do? You know, who knew who? Like just kind of like what's the whole accessory story around each record uh, in the process, right? And um, and the comments, you know, were really fascinating and interesting and all these people kind of came out of the woodwork um, and that's that's specifically how how this kind of crud thing came back up because uh, it was something not not the anthology specifically but I had planned on working with the band in in the early 90s like there's actually advertisements that I ran that said you know there's a crud seven inch coming at, at some point and uh, it just never happened right and so um, when these kind of comment threads started throwing back together and people were doing things and and sort of the topic of crud came back up you know and then i started talking to those guys again it's just like this needs to happen you know <laughs> like and it just seemed like the perfect in in my in my hesitant of how would i start a label again what what, what would i do like like that seemed like the absolute perfect transitional piece right to like do this thing that pays respects uh you know to you know kind of where it came from and you know just like move it into move it into the next step as well that's i mean certainly you you had learned from the first experience of running this um and now you're you're thinking about you know wanting to sort of fulfill a promise of back in the day almost uh was it your engagement with uh, crud and the music and the individuals that made you want to relaunch the label or was it that that promise and this sort of I don't know the, the love the world experienced earlier this year that I mean, helped form it then I think all of those pieces play some I, I don't know that there's one thing more than more than anything else I, I think that I think that I had it in the back of my mind that I wanted to do something again and I wasn't sure how or what or why hmm. right and when the idea of doing a crud record sort of came together that answered all of those questions that's i know exactly why i know how like I, all of i know all of those things right yeah. and so it just made perfect sense to me and then in talking with the band when it also made perfect sense to them it was like okay like this just has to happen yeah, I so I I was not familiar with Crud until um, I saw you sort of uh, you know announced this stuff. Um, mm. I dig it. I, I really like what they what they did historically, um, and it's I th always find it interesting whenever people go back and sort of bring out a whole archive of music that was played in the day and then sort of remaster and re-release it now because it it still has that that element of of that energy you know of the time that you you can't always reproduce and i don't even think you should try to there's just something magical about a time in space and you know sort of worlds collide and, and it's there 
um, that sort of lightning in a bottle, as it were. I, I feel like revisiting this idea of, of, of crud um, and re-releasing all these tracks is that opening of that lightning in a bottle. It, you know, when I when I, I, I made the comment to you, um, listening to the track that was released, uh, uh, SoundCloud, you've released two of the tracks. So people, um, there's links in show notes here that uh, I'm going to be posting tomorrow. Uh, but you can also go to the website, Toybox Records, and you can listen to two tracks that have been uh, released on the SoundCloud account of uh, Crud. Uh, Crud is a cult. But it is very much like this is this is like mid and late 90s. Like this just feels 90s. It was like coming home, you know, going back to my youth. It's just sort of the, the fountain of youth, as it were, just listening to this music again. It was so fantastic. Um, can we talk a little bit about how you were first introduced to Crud? Um, what inspired you to want to make this, you know, your sort of debut release under this re reemergence of Toybox Records? Yeah, so the, the front man of Crud uh, was this really sort of larger-than-life character named Sean McCabe, who... Um, I knew as a person before I knew I knew of crud and and it was really early internet like I said you know in this sort of childhood like hunt for community um really early I got on I got online and, and I was hanging out on IRC uh in you know 92 93 and there was a, a tiny little channel on IRC called punk and then there was a tiny little channel called straight edge or xxe actually um yeah. but uh you know so there was like a handful of people in the world at that point, you know, online interested in this thing, right? And so it was less this like connection, and and Sean McCabe was one of those people, and so uh, we connected on the internet, and then you know our our sort of friendship uh, blossomed beyond that, and we would talk on the phone all the time. But he was, um, you know, he he's a very sort of legendary instigator, you know, for for good and bad in many many different ways. And, uh, you know, as, as his projects after Crud, you know, went on to show in other ways, but he was, he was always pushing me personally to do more stuff at that time. You know, I can't count how many times, you know, I would get a call from him at three in the morning where he was just like, Hey, did you do that thing? Like, you got to go do that stuff. Like, I'm going to send you this thing. you got to check this out. Like these other guys are doing this really, you know, just like it was inspiring. Right. And, and, and he was, a uh, um, he was this very kind of powerful force in my life uh, for for many years, and so when when he was like, "Oh, you know, like we have some other crud stuff that we didn't, you know, do anything with. Like, let's do something." I was like, "Absolutely, let's do it." You know, there was no question. And then, um, you know, it just it just didn't come together not for not for any specific reason, but you know, at the time, you know, again, the world was was a different place at the time. It was harder to to pull things together, and you had to have lots of Lots of things all lining up perfectly in order order to work, and and it just didn't it just didn't come together the way uh, it needed to in order to actually actually happen. And so it was kind of this like unfinished project that just sort of floated off, right? And then and then I shut down the label, and then a few years later, Sean died, right? And so it sort of just uh, you know it seemed like this unfinished thing, right? And uh, that could never really be finished in a lot of ways, right? And so. Uh, for me, it's not just it's not just like oh, here's some songs that people should hear, right? Because like I mean, you can find you can find ways to hear. You know, there's a seven inch of some of them that came out. There's some that are from a live show that's on YouTube. Like you can track down different ways to do it, right? But it, it's really about like 
I didn't get to say goodbye to my friend, right? right? And, and I don't think that um, that there's an appropriate tribute to him that exists, right? And so if I can somehow, uh, you know, spend some time and effort and create this thing that's out in the world that, you know, sort of says like, hey, this was important, you know, to me mm -hmm. and important to some other people, uh, then that feels good. You know that feels like a, a worthwhile, a worthwhile uh, way to spend <laughs> to spend some some time, right? Um, but I, like I said, I think that that also it, it makes this good, this really uh, good transition for me to like okay now now I can like kind of move forward in in a different way too, right? Of like like I've paid I've paid the appropriate respects that I always wanted to and was never able to, you know. Yeah. Do you think? Let me cut you off really quick. Um, how do you think Sean would feel um, with this project coming about? Because it's not just the the album; it's also a, a book that you're going to be releasing as well. So, do you think he would uh, approve? I think he would be psyched. And my goal, and I think all the band's goal as well, is like to make something that he would think is awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, like we all spend enough time with him one way or another to sort of know his sensibilities and the stuff that that you know he would kind of dig. And so I think that that's that's been our goal from the beginning is like, let's make something that he would be super psyched about. Yeah. What do you think it is about? I want to get a little existential just for a second here, and then we'll, we'll <laughs> dive back into the music scene. What do you think it is about us that we always want to put those that we lose? I do this too. This, and this is why I'm asking. We, we put them on these pedestals of, I need to be able to have closure. Or I need to be able to pay homage. I, I need to somehow give back to the memory of those that influenced me so greatly in the time. Mm -hmm. um, when, I mean, I don't think there's anything after life. I, you know, it's, it's very much just you're gone, you're gone. When it's not like you're going to be reaching back to them and they're going to be like, hey, thanks a lot. But for some reason, we still need to do that. It's this weird figure of closure we have to have. What do you think that comes from? I mean, I think, you know, humans are storytellers, right? And so um, I think that we we like to tell stories. And when 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 the story doesn't go anywhere, when there's a piece of it that feels unfinished, like that kind of lingers, right? And so just there, there's a piece of it where we want to finish a story, you know, just, just as as a culture, you know, a story needs a start and an end somehow. And if it doesn't have an end, what is it, right? And um, but I, but I, I think there's also a piece of um, I don't know. Like I know how important it was to me to find people who inspired me to do stuff, right? And and so I think that when I've when I've heard from other people that something I did inspired them, you know, it's flattering and overwhelming and and uh, you know wonderful and scary and and all of these things, right? And so I think that um, you know sometimes you just want to say like, you know. This is something that that made a difference to me, and maybe maybe it'll also make a difference to somebody else. I like it. Um, Alex is saying he would love it, <laughs> and he also has the IRC Punk Rock Yearbook. Yeah, what that is. <laughs> That's cool. Um, all right, so let's let's talk about uh, this collection that you're putting together. Um, Crud started as Crud. It's now Crud as a Cult. Where did that come about? 
it kind of, it, I know the band could explain, you know, the, the very specific transition of that better. But I think that the idea was like, it was this kind of fast, loose, you know, dirty thing. You know, it was cruddy, right? Like kind of just like out of, out of the blue. And then like, I think very, very quickly, you know, the cult was the surrounding, you know, larger than life feel of it in every way. And so, uh, you know, I think the first time anything was released, it was released as crud as a cult. But I think that, you know, it was called crud internally initially. And, you know, uh, that's Sean always called it crud when I talked to him. I just always called it crud, even though I know the band's name is crud as a cult. So I think that there's, you know, a, a, specific, a specific time step in that. But it, was, it wasn't like a, okay, we're going to officially change the band name at this point. As far as I know, they might they might correct me on that, but mm -hmm. I, I think I think it was kind of just a both things sort of lived simultaneously. Okay. Do you run into any difficulty finding you know the, the sort of catalog of music from them? Because you know a lot of the times when you're starting these bands, it's you you have a tape deck and you're recording on that, so you know there's no professional yeah, copies I for some tracks. I mean, I think, I think, yeah, certainly. I think, I think that if this was like a archival project where I was going to say, oh, I'm going to go hunt down all these things of this band, it would be a very different thing. Hmm. Um, even regardless of the band, it would be a very different thing. I think part of the magic of this is that the band has the stuff, you know, and, and, and I know them and, you know, they want to do it. Right. And so there's like, oh yeah, I have the tapes from this recording and I have the tapes from that recording and, you know, like all those things. And so it like very, very quickly, we were kind of able to pull together, uh, you know, almost everything. Maybe there's some, you know, we, we put out a little kind of a call for request. Maybe somebody has a recording of something else that, that we don't know about that's kind of floating around a demo tape or, or something. Um, but we feel like we kind of have everything that, ended up. I, I don't know necessarily if there was more songs that were just never recorded. I mean, sometimes that happens. Yeah. Um, but I think that the stuff that they actually like said, okay, let's go in the studio and record this stuff. We have it. And, uh, you know, it's just, we're, we're mastering it now. So it all sort of feels, feels consistent and it doesn't feel, you know, five different recording sessions or something. How many tracks are we talking? I, I think that we're looking at around 15, um, okay. for the, for the final thing, maybe, uh, 13 to 15 or something. Um, I think we're still finalizing the, the the final set list, but I think you know it'll be it'll be a it'll be a solid LP album of stuff. It's basically the seven inch that that came out, a seven inch that was recorded and was never released, and then uh, some some other sort of demo tracks that were kind of recorded around that separately and sort of pulling it all together. Nice. So how are you going to be releasing this music? We are going to do it as a uh, limited vinyl release. Yeah. So we're going to do uh, about 500 copies, um, and we're going to make it really cool for all the collectors. So we're going to do screen-printed covers that are – some of them are going to be numbered. There's going to be, I think, six different colors of vinyl. That was like, good. A couple hundred, uh, you know, a couple fifty of it, a couple of different things. Some of the different distributors have asked for an exclusive color, so there's going to be you're going to have to go to like five different places to get all the colors if if you're a collector and you want all of it, uh, you know. So there'll be a little scavenger hunt aspect to it, which will make it be something kind of cool. And then and then as you mentioned before, it's going to kind of come with this book, right, of of all of these stories and and things that we're going to kind of put together. And then once that once that physical vinyl is sold out 
then we're going to keep selling the book and that'll come with a sort of a free digital download of the of the stuff so you can always you'll always be able to get it beyond that point but we really wanted to make a a physical object that you know we could all hold and be like this is awesome that's awesome i yeah. love you know for for real vinyl enthusiasts it never went away but for yeah. most of the world vinyl did go away for a very long time and now it's made this huge resurgence i don't know maybe the past 10 years um you know arguably well, maybe so sooner last year yeah i think <laughs> yeah so especially with punk music i mean the the album cover you know you're talking about lyric sheets and stuff like that but the album covers that was a huge deal with punk rock i mean the the visual aspect the aesthetics was half the game you know i mean so to get a really great album cover um in a vinyl uh envelope i just think that's fucking fantastic that's yeah. so fucking cool yeah and then like i said we want to you know at first you know in, in the in the crud seven inch that, that's out in the world right you know it's almost a zine inside it, right? There's there's photos, there's the lyrics from the song, but then Sean also wrote like, here's why we wrote the song. This is what we were thinking about. You know, there's there's a lot more, right? So it's not just like, here's you know here's five songs and, and the lyrics, right? There's all of this, there's sort of like a humorous kind of storyline that runs through, you know, all of this stuff. So when we were talking about, about doing this, we're like, we need to bring that same sensibility to a lyric sheet you know, or a booklet or whatever is going to go with this thing. And that's when we, we were talking about, oh, wouldn't it be great if, you know, different people that knew him could contribute things. Now, now it feels more like a fanzine than a lyric sheet, you know, and then as, as we kept booing all this stuff, we're like, this is a book. This isn't, this isn't just a fanzine, right? But we really want to have like something substantial that like you can, you know, you can sit down with, um, you know, and get a much wider story out of, you know, than just here's a couple songs or something. That's great. So w when are you projecting this to be available commercially? Uh, we're saying spring uh, 2021. Um, because there's just, there's a couple of pieces that we don't necessarily know exactly, you know, in a, in a COVID quarantine crazy world, something that you might've been able to say, oh, that usually takes a week. Mm -hmm. Does it take two weeks now or three? You know, it's hard to say, uh, I can't just, you know, fly across the border, you know, like there's all, there's all of these things that are suddenly harder. Uh, so that, that gives us a little bit of time to sort of play around and, and see what happens. But, uh, you know, first half of next year for sure, but probably not in the first couple months. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The after times. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be recalled for forevermore. The oh, after times. Okay. <laughs> um, here's an interesting question. Cause I, I've never really considered this, but I can see where it comes from. Uh, Zachary is saying, how many of y'all are listening to vinyl instead of just collecting it? Uh, I listen to vinyl all the time. Yeah. I got, I got my record player right here. Like, <laughs> I got I record here. yeah, I've never, I've never collected something that I've never put on a table. You know, I've always played my vinyl. I, I wonder where that comes from. I think there's definitely people out there that don't play their vinyl. Yeah. Um, I think there's collectors who who see these things as sort of an object, a precious object, and they, you know, don't want to risk scratching it by playing it or something, right? I mean, there's the completists who want, like, you know, every, every single version of every single thing, the sealed one that's, you know, there's all those things, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? I mean, different people will find different things that, that they're into, and, 
and chase after right it's i mean it's the same thing as uh, in in a way of like you know people who collect toys right and and oh i I don't open the box or i do open the box right there's like there's just different different aspects to it but for me like uh i always i always listen to it i want to put the record on and i want to sit there and like read the lyrics and you know i like i like the conscious aspect of i got to go flip this record right i mean I, i have I have a huge digital collection as well, right? I can I can fire up a playlist and go do something for six hours and never think about it. And I do sometimes, but that's a different thing. Yeah. When I listen, when I want to listen to music consciously, it's vinyl because I I got four songs and I want to pay attention to it, right? And then I'm gonna do something else or whatever. So I think it's just a different experience. Yeah, I think I think that's a great way of putting it. It's a conscious experience because it, I, I liken it to having a cigar. You're going to sit here for a good quality of time and just enjoy the act of this thing. You know, yeah. you're putting on a playlist and then going and running or exercising or going, you know, driving somewhere, that's sort of a background noise. But when you put on a record, you want to be involved in it. It's not just a, an afterthought. Like this is an intentional act. So you are going to enjoy that more. It reminds me of when I was a kid, like opening up, because I, I didn't come up in the, the record era. I came up in the tape era. And so I would open up my tapes and like spread out all of the folds and like read every lyric to every song and just really absorb the music, you know? It's a totally different thing doing that with vinyl. Like that, that is the experience. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's the thing, right? It's an experience. And that's, it, makes it, it makes a difference, you know, if that's, if that's what, you're, what you're wanting, you know? Mm. Uh, yeah. Um, how's it going, Dennis? Thanks for joining us. Uh, okay, so l- let's talk a little bit about this uh, this album. It's called Love, Hate, Life, Death. Mm-hmm. Um, is that after a track, or is that just? It's it's a lyrics from from the song Emotion. So it's a, that's how how that song ends, um, which is in uh, I think the other the other promo uh, that we put together. And that's um, the one that you can get on Bandcamp right now, right? Uh, no, I think it's... Busy Little Beaver yeah. is on Bandcamp, um, but, but Emotion is on is on just on SoundCloud to listen to, and and it's in that it's in that promo clip. But it's just the sort of like really sing along chorus part of of the end of uh, of that song, you know. So it was like a big a big kind of sing along moment for the crowd who knew who knew that song when when they would play it. But it also it also you know sort of uh, says you know, what it is that we're trying to talk about, right? I mean, like, again, like, you know, this band, Sean, like, again, controversial characters in, in many different aspects, right? Uh, you know, passionately in love with a scene, with the music, whatever, you know, there was fights and all sorts of stuff around it in Life's Away, you know, like, some people lived, some people died, right? like, it, it, like, really kind of encompasses, uh, you know, many different aspects of this intangible thing that we're talking about yeah so uh when they proposed that as as the as the title it was immediately like yeah absolutely that's that's the perfect title we don't even need to we don't even need to think of another option like that's 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 what it is Hell yeah. well i i'm excited to find out when this is going to be released and to pick it up as soon as it is uh it's available again there are some tracks available right now if you just want to cut your teeth a little bit on crud as a cult and you know get the feel for it but if you ever like 
punk back in the day, you're going to like Crud as a Cult because it just it that's what it is. It's great. You know, you can't <laughs> you can't not like it if you like punk. So that being said, um you can sign up to the mailing list on your website, right? Yep. So Toy yeah, Box and, and on the on Bandcamp, we put the we put the the download as, as free. Um and when you, you I think that you just have to put in an email address to to get it. So uh, that and but you can also just give us your email address on the website or join the mailing list. Um, so as there's more news on it and it starts to come together, we'll we'll send out to that list and let everybody know what's going on. But um, Crotus Occult has has an Instagram. It's just Crotus Occult. Toybox Records is on Instagram. You know, like all of these different things. Like we're we're around and easily easily followable. Uh, and it, and it's obviously, you know, a big topic for us over the next coming months. So if you're, if you're interested, it's easy to, easy to stay yeah. on time. Yeah. All right. Well, I highly recommend everyone go check it out because it's good stuff. Sean, thank you so much for coming on and, and talking about Thanks for having me. This was fun. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it. I think it's great. Um, of course, toy box records, if you want to learn more about the label and the other bands that they've promoted in the past and stuff that we haven't actually gotten into. I mean, we, we just sort of hit our hour, our limit that I like to try to keep these things at. And so <laughs> I figured this is as good as time to, to wind down as possible. Hour with stories. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, do you have any other links other than uh, toy box record that you want to share out there? You already mentioned that there's, you know, SoundCloud and Instagram for the different bands and label and stuff. I, I think, you know, if we're talking about toy box specifically, uh, toyboxrecords.com has, links to everything yeah. like that's a that's a solid hub um if you're talking about me and you know books or or photography or any of these other pieces just seanbonner.com uh links out to all of that stuff so i try to i try to make them like very simple hubs yeah. so you, you can find the thing that you're looking for uh, without without too much work okay and yeah. i will say really quick um because you mentioned that you put that track on bandcamp for free you can actually you know donate whatever you want or pay yeah, whatever it, you want for the track. I highly recommend you pay for the music. It, it just, it's just, it's the right thing to do in my opinion. So drop a buck, drop two bucks, whatever you feel is right and uh, grab the track. It's great. I did it. It's great. You're going to love it too. So, you know, it's not going to hurt anyone. <laughs> it's not going to break your bank either. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to close out our conversation here with the second promo that you released and then on the other side of that, we'll just close out the show. So once again, thank you so much for all of you joining live and uh, for uh, CRUD members uh, joining live. Thanks. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your attention. I really appreciate it. Have a fantastic weekend. And until we can uh, speak of the devil again, hail Satan. It's weird because I always look at this like, oh yeah. I surrender to the fire.
Stone.